Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Cannot make up your mind about marrying your girlfriend or not. Cannot make up your mind about the TV you need to buy. Cannot make up your mind about staying at or quitting your job. If the prospect of making a decision makes you feel overwhelmed, then you need to listen to this episode. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Z. For those of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time, I have a very long name. My name is Patricia Esperanza Zurita Oña. I am a psychologist and because I have a very long name, I go by Dr. Z. In this episode, Dr. Sally Winston and I discuss the psychological processes behind making a decision and what keeps you stuck when having to make a choice. Quite often, when facing these dilemmas, we play it safe by overthinking, dwelling, and ruminating, and ended up putting ourselves into analysis paralysis, thinking a lot about a choice without taking action. And if you are in the habit of not making a choice, you may be dealing with chronic indecisiveness, which is more than struggling with ordinary indecisions. In this episode, you will hear about the three psychological processes behind chronic indecision, how to nurture experiential knowledge, how to make decisions using your wise mind, the limitations of doing a pros and cons to make a decision, and how to nurture your wise mind. Hope you find this episode helpful. And if you want to participate on monthly workshops that tackle ineffective playing it safe moves like overthinking, ruminating, and dwelling, make sure to go to the website www.thisisdrz.com and select the options online courses. So you can register for the monthly workshop that I give every Wednesday at 9 a.m. And now let's jump onto the conversation with Dr. Sally Winson. I wish you a great day. Bye-bye. Looking at this tip distinguishing unproductive and productive worry, I found it very helpful because I think many times in my work, when my clients don't have this distinction that, you know, productive worry means you will come up with a plan and it may not be the perfect plan, but you're willing to give yourself permission to make a plan. Mm-hmm. And productive is spinning again over and over and perhaps self-criticizing. I find that sometimes having time frames helps people a little bit. Okay, by this time, you may come out with something like that. But over times, one of the things that I see with anticipatory anxiety is 
how can be a variable that leads to this chronic indecision. I cannot commit. I cannot figure out what should I do? What's the best choice? I'm afraid of regretting in the future, the choice I have made. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of these negative outcomes that could go. Will it be okay to chat a little bit about how you see this link between anticipatory anxiety and chronic indecision? Um, very much so. Um, the, the chronic indecision means that you have created an anticipatory story mm -hmm. and it's and it's running your uh, running you so that you have the you feel like you can't commit to something mm -hmm. and um i think you just mentioned some of the some of the factors that need to be looked at one of them is a fear of regret which i think is um it, which is essential for a lot of chronic indecision indecision is what if i make the wrong decision and the consequences are I can't handle them. And very often behind the fear of regret is, is, is basically anxiety sensitivity or a feeling of vulnerability or fragility that it, that you wouldn't be able to handle it if, mm -hmm. right? And so that sometimes needs to be explored. And another piece that you mentioned was um, um, perfectionism. Mm -hmm. because it may be that it isn't the very best possible choice that you could ever have made. And you can't have a guarantee that whatever choice you make is the perfect choice. So the, the, the unwillingness to take a risk that something might, might not be perfect is often uh, driving uh, chronic indecisiveness. Mm -hmm. And the other is the, 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 uh, Fear of missing out, FOMO, mm -hmm. right? Where people can't make a choice because if they make this choice, then they can't have that choice. Mm -hmm. They can't give up other, that's a approach, approach conflict, right? Where you want everything and you can't have everything. Mm -hmm. So you have to pick and giving up something as part of the process is difficult for some people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and another, of course, is just being, um, un, unwilling to have doubts and proceed anyway. Yeah. Right? To be unwilling to experience um, doubting thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, and feel like if you have doubts, they must be red flags or warnings or some you, that you, you have to pay attention to them. You know, and and of course, nobody gets married without having some doubts that morning. <laughs> and and uh, nobody decides to have a baby without lots of doubts. All of the big decisions in life involve being willing to have some doubts and proceed anyway. That's and right. how, you, how you interpret those doubts, whether you're willing to have them or whether you're making yourself think that somehow these are important messages from below that you've got to pay attention to, or whether you can just include them in the process. So if I can recap a little bit, one of the things that you have found in your work is this feelings of regret, this push to make the perfect choice, the perfect decision, this difficulty tolerating uncertainty, no knowing what the outcome is going to be, this fear of missing out are related to chronic indecision. Right. Now, here's a life example. Dating. 
with all these dating apps we have flick to the left to the right right like why should i commit to this person i should go out with this other person this is the information era and these apps are really in some ways reinforcing for some people chronic indecision about romantic relationships uh-huh. well, let's say that i am one of those people that i have an app and i am having a difficult time committing to someone because I'm afraid of what if the next person I meet will be a better partner. Um, I need to know that this person is going to be really a good fit for me. Or what if I choose the wrong partner and then I live miserable in a relationship? Mm-hmm. So I have those thoughts when I am maybe trying to have a cup of coffee with a potential date. What would you encourage me to do? What are maybe two or three tips that I can consider and that our audience can put into action if possible? Mm -hmm. I think very often what happens was that people are having a cup of coffee with someone and just meeting them. Mm -hmm. And they're imagining that they're going to have to decide whether to get married this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I can hear that. (laughs) And, And... I think one thing that's a very interesting thing is the whole notion of making some decisions takes time Mm -hmm. because you need information Mm -hmm. and you don't have enough information to make a decision. And early on in a relationship, you, you, you can't commit partly because you don't know this other person. You don't know how it's going to feel to be with them. You don't know any of that. And so your initial encounters with people are information gathering they're they're telling you how you feel when you're with the person and they're telling you more about the other person and over time Mm -hmm. when people make commitments to each other usually it's not because they've done a pro and con list and decided you know they have this and this quality and I can live with this and this they don't do pros and cons. They, they they wake up and they suddenly realize that they have already committed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a very natural process. It's not a forced one. Mm-hmm. And if you're not if you're if if you're not aware that 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 the decision actually happens at a level that you're not, it's not thinking. It's some combination of thinking and feeling and time passing and just kind of your wise mind kind of knowing stuff. And it all happens at a level that isn't all this deliberate ruminating about you know, they have money, but they don't, they don't seem to treat their mother well, but they have nice hair, but they doesn't like the way, you know, and all of that, that listing of yes and no's, that's not how people commit to other people. Ah, Something that happens at a passive level, that um, where you, you suddenly realize that you, you already have decided. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and you mentioned wise voice. You mentioned the wise mind. Do you mind elaborating a little bit on that? Because I think it's very common that when we have doubts, we try to respond to doubtful thoughts with more thinking. And in the dating example, how many times we have seen the pros and the cons, pluses, minuses of this relationship, but you're talking about a deep experience that is not too much thinking based. There is experience that comes that you're calling as the wise voice or the wise mind. So how would you explain that to people that are not familiar with it? 
The uh, slide that I use when I give lectures about wise mind is, is a picture of Yoda. Um, it's uh, the, the wise mind, you know, the, the wise mind is, is not just thinking. It is an experience, an internal experience where you just kind of know stuff and you can't necessarily say why you know stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, when you're trying to make a choice, this is something I sometimes do with patients who are stuck when they can't make a choice. Mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, there's enough of this. We're just going to toss a coin because mm-hmm. you're ambivalent. You both sides seem equal. We're just going to toss a coin. Red, you know, heads is yes. Tails is no. And then I throw the coin up and I put it on my hand and then I don't take it off. And I say, quick, what are you hoping? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Because at some level, that person is hoping for it to be one or the other. Yes. What's your wise mind? Mm-hmm. Or when, for example, let's say you have uh, you you uh, you go out the door mm-hmm. and you lock the door and then you're getting your car and then you're halfway to work. And then you have the thought, what if I didn't lock my door? Mm-hmm. If you consult your wise mind. You will know whether this is just a doubt or whether you really didn't lock the door because you were there when you locked the door. And so it's a matter of sort of consulting a part of you that that refuses to either be worried all the time or be trying to make yourself reassured. Mm -hmm. It's something else. It's it's a real knowledge and we all have it. And sometimes it's only like a little 5% of you. Mm-hmm. But if you stop and you, and you sit back and you're not rushed, you know what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful distinction. I love it. As you know, I practice acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, along the lines of what you are describing as a wise mind, I find that I teach my clients to distinguish all these thoughts, like thinking noise that comes. And it feels like a heavy metal is loud and heavy and it's demanding action that you do something right away. But there is this soft voice, like classical music in the background. Mm-hmm. So are you listening? Are we listening heavy metal or are we listening classic music? Because I think that in some way we have experiential knowledge of the mm-hmm. choice that we need to make. It just gets clouded. It just gets Yes, clouded. I think so. Absolutely. A typical example of that is, uh, uh, say, a person who has panic attacks, mm-hmm. right? And I'll, I'll get a call late at night, and it's, uh, help me, help me. Uh, I think I'm having a heart attack. And then, I, you know, I'm, I'm panicking, I'm panicking. I think I'm having a heart attack. And then... What I might say to the patient is, well, why are you calling me? I'm a psychologist. <laughs> Somebody dialed that phone to a psychologist. <laughs> I love it. That was your wise mind. I love it. I love it. I love it. But when you're extremely anxious, mm-hmm. it's hard to find that part of you that really knows. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I have witnessed that many times. I think 
the most common response, again, is that we try to respond to thinking with more thinking, and that clouds everything. How would you teach people to tap into this wise mind? A lot of it, I think, has to do with a person is particularly anxious, mm. is, is to, um, to, to extract urgency from the situation. Mm. In other words, slow everything down. Mm. There's no action needed right at this moment. You know, if you are having a heart attack or if you're on fire, that's an emergency. Mm-hmm. But a feeling is never an emergency. Right. And so even though you may be feeling urgent about having to respond to whatever it is you're thinking, if you can simply extract the urgency and slow things down, then you can begin to observe not the content of what you're thinking, but the process that you're in. And at that point, you can step back and see what's happening Mm -hmm. and not address the quote issue, but address the process. Yeah, I love that. I will definitely keep that in mind. And I think that people listening to us, they're getting a lot of golden nuggets. So thank you so much for sharing that. Here's my last question, if it's okay. If you were to have a cup of coffee or tea or a scotch or a beer with any person you want today, who would that be and why? Oh, my goodness. What a question. Um, Let me see. At the moment, I think I'd like to talk to Queen Elizabeth. Ooh. (laughs) That's juicy. (laughs) That will be a juicy conversation. Yeah, I think I could have an interesting conversation with almost anybody. Because I think everybody is interesting. Well, I agree with you, but I also want to say is that your style is very welcoming and it's very warm that 99.9% of humans will open up to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I try very hard is to have that not happen when I'm on a 12-hour plane ride. I know. I know how it goes those moments. (laughs) A different signal is right, like frowning face. (laughs) Reading that book. (laughs) (laughs) Sally this has been a pleasure thank you so much you're very welcome I just want to say that it's really sweet to chat with you and to really let all that wisdom you have and all the experience you have over the years and thank you so much for sharing that in the podcast many thanks I was very happy to do that and I've enjoyed the conversation thank you again Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website playingitsafe.com. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing it safe actions. See you soon!